Thank you so much, worship team. It's nice to be with you. And uh, of course, Emerge is our home away from home. And to everybody watching and uh, part of this gathering and community, you know, uh, Pastor Dave and Redcliffe, we, we celebrate you and we're having, we, I'm so glad to be able to join you. And Pastor Joe at Morayfield, same thing. We, I've been to all of your sites, so I know your faces and I know where you sit. And so I'm hoping for great amens and, and I'm, I'm going to hear it here at Warner. I know that in the spirit. And so it's so nice to be with you. We love pastors, Mark and Nina. And I still think it's early enough. I mean, it's still the ninth, right? I still get to say happy new year. Right? So happy new year. It's nice to be with you. For some of you, it might be the, you know, the first Sunday back at church. So happy new year. I want to say this to you, and it's from my heart. I believe this word is going to be a word that will sit with you, will resonate with you, will be a prophetic activation in your life today. I'm so grateful for this church and this faith community. You're just a great bunch of people. And Allison and I just love you deeply. It's easy to be cynical. It actually takes less effort to be negative. It's easy to be cynical and negative and pessimistic. It takes courage to be optimistic. It takes courage to be filled with hope. It takes courage to look at your circumstance and say, no, but God. It, it takes courage to say, my circumstance may look like, but my covenant says. It's covenant over circumstance. Whether you're here at Warner, whether you're at Redcliffe, whether you're at Morayfield, it's covenant over circumstance. And I wanna bring a word to you today that I believe you will be able to pick up and live in for 2022. Now, as Pastor Julie mentioned before, I will give you a little bit of a teaser about what's happening tonight. It's a bit of a trailer. Have you ever wondered why Jesus walked on water? Like we know the miracle is cool. And I know some of you try it over summer. <laughs> but have you ever wondered why? Like, the, I mean, if you really think about it, was Jesus just showing off? I mean, the fact that he can do it, awesome. The fact that no one else can do it, come on. It's just not fair. It's the coolest party trick ever. But I really want to do a deep dive into that miracle tonight. And if you've ever suffered with anxiety or uh, anything that could bring your, uh, you could say mental health to a place where you just say, God, I really need your help. Would you come tonight? Tonight we're going to talk through that. There's, there's a reason Jesus walked on water and it's not just a cool miracle. It was something to show humanity of where Jesus needs to be in our life. And so tonight, we're gonna take that miracle and we're gonna break it down, dissect it like a surgeon so that you can read, see and look at the Bible as its beautiful narrative as it should be. So I'm telling you, come tonight. And instead of just talking about how cool walking on water was for Jesus, we can live a life of what it actually would mean if Jesus walked on water in our life. All good? All right, there's your teaser trailer. I'll see you tonight at 6 p.m. for that and donuts. There was a series that I started to write. It was initially for leaders and then I realized it's for everybody. 
It's called Hope in the Hallway. If I could first bring that screen up. Hope in the Hallway. You know, so many times, and I believe in it, I believe in living in the fullness of the promises of God. And there's areas of life. We're multifaceted people. We're, we're interesting. We have layers. So there could be areas of our life where we're living in the fullness of God's promises. And to that, I say yes and amen. And then there's other areas of our life where we feel like we're in the hallway. We're neither here nor there. Some areas of our life we're living in the fullness of, we know it's the promise of God. Then there's areas that we know we're in transition for. We're neither here nor we're there. And if you really read the, the, the biblical narrative, what you realize is that Jesus did miracles in between places. He, he was walking from here to there and there was a woman that had a hope after 12 years of suffering with an issue of blood. She just grabbed his garment. It was in the hallway. It, it, it was in change, in transition, in movement, not just. Sometimes we pitch our lives to say, as soon as I leave this and as soon as I get there, God will be with me. What if there's hope everywhere? Hope in the movement, hope in the change, hope in transition, hope in the hallway, because there are areas of our lives that are in the hallway right now. And I wanna encourage you that there is hope in the midst of it. From Christmas to New Year's, and that's always a hallway of like health and donuts. It's like when that starts, I'm gonna get there and then I'm gonna change that. I'm one of those people that starts things on Mondays. Anybody else? Oh, I can't start yet, it's not Monday. But there's hope in the hallways. If you, if you look at the story of Moses delivering the children of Israel, you, you see, and even though they had amazing God miracles the whole time, there was the promised land and that God did amazing things to get them there. He did amazing things to get them delivered from Egypt, but there were miracles in the wilderness. And if you count them, there were actually more miracles in the wilderness then later on, why? Because in the wilderness, in our hallways, God is still with us. In 2022, there could be areas that you go, I feel like I'm in the hallway. I'm neither here nor there. Can I just give you an encouragement? Don't wait to get there before you start believing God. There's hope in the hallways. So I like Netflix, I like Stan, I like all those kind of things because they do things in episodes. And so today I want to present to you an episode title. Anyone ever played the game Truth or Dare? Or you're just not willing to admit it? <laughs> truth or Dare, as kids we'd play Truth or Dare and if I said Truth or Dare, you had to pick. Either you had to tell me something really juicy about, about something in your life that I'm going to ask you about. Now if you know people really well, that's just boring you actually deep down want them to pick dare because you want them to do something that they wouldn't normally do. So truth or dare. And there's this kind of like feeling of like, don't pick truth, don't pick truth, pick dare. Unless of course, you're in high school and you wanted to figure out who liked you or not. <laughs> then you want truth. Right? And, and, and so there is this kind of tension between truth or dare. Either you tell me something about yourself, something, your, your truth, the truth about some area of your life, or you have to do something scary. You have to do something outside your comfort zone. Can I redeem the game this morning? 
Can I redeem it in the kingdom this morning? And rather than say it's truth or dare, I believe the kingdom game is truth and dare. Because when you know the truth, you become daring. And if you know the truth of what God wants to do with you in 2022, you will be daring. It's not truth, I know the truth. Or dare, it's truth and dare. And I would love for us to go on a journey to realise and see what a life filled with truth looks like when we're willing to live in the fullness of daring to actually do it. It's, it's, it's both, it's and. So we find ourselves in John 5, if we can bring that up. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the sheep gate a pool, which in Hebrew is called Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of water. If you read the book of John, it's a wonderful narrative. He loves to write stories. But if you read that, you go, there was this great feast. Now we know how we feast. We eat and we drink and we're merry. Music, it's loud, there's food, there's all this celebration going on. So John's telling this story of there was this feast and celebration and people gathering. And then right after that, he talks about this place where all the broken meet. Now, we can call it within a narrative a paradox, but if you watched it like a movie, it would be called a juxtaposition. There's lots of juxtapositions in the Bible. It's like, if you've ever been to a third world country, I remember being in a particular place and there was these massive LED screens at this big intersection on each one of the corners and they were, they were selling the high-end products. And at the bottom of those, those, those LED screens that were, that, that were on every corner of this intersection, there were broken homeless people living right underneath it. Uh, is, is that not just a picture of humanity sometimes? This juxtaposition that we live in, this paradox where it's like, we're totally blessed. We're seeing what we're capable of. We're seeing what we can believe God for. And right underneath it, there are the broken, the sick, the paralyzed, the lame, and this is that moment in the story, a celebration of God, of, of deliverance, of salvation, and yet right just over the fence, through the gate, in the hallway, there's the broken, the sick. Now, over, over Christmas, I'm gonna give people some tips here. After you finish hosting Christmas, you never put prawns straight in the bin. That's amateur hour. You put them in the freezer, ready for bin day. Wanna know why? So it doesn't make your whole street hate you. Well, anyway, I did click and collect not that long ago. I was doing the groceries. I was picking them up. And of course, you get, you know, the person helps you put it in your boot and everything else. And I had... I have this, this, this freezer bag, esky kind of bag, insulated bag, and the zip's broken on one side of it. So we put all this stuff in, and it was packed into my car, and what I didn't realise until five days later was chicken thigh just happened to roll out of this bag. 
I'm sitting in the car about three days in of what I now call the aroma incident. About three days in and I'm like, man, that smells a bit weird. But see, I have two kids, nine, seven-year-olds. They've left something in my car. Is it an old cheeseburger? Is it chips? Is it, is it a milkshake that just happened to be in the cup holder for three days too long? Like, we've all smelt that stuff. I'm like, this is weird. So I go through the car, cannot find anything. And I'm like one of those Glen 20 people. I'm like, there's something wrong, so I'm Glen 20 Doesn't matter, next day I get in, still there. I suddenly realise that in my boot... So I'm looking, 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 and what's happened is this aroma has permeated through the back seat. So I open the boot. I go, this is the last place I should be looking, but there's nowhere else I could look. So I open it up, I go through this, and I realise that this chicken thigh had actually, from Frozen, had spent five days being lukewarm in my car and kind of bounced out of the bag and behind the umbrella. That's why I couldn't see it. Now, that's bad. Two days of Glen 20 and driving with the windows down kind of fixed it. This is Middle Eastern heat. This is not a hospital. And there are blind, lame, paralyzed people all gathered together in one place. They can't move. They can't just go to the bathroom. Like we're talking, this place is going to stink. It's bad. So there's a feast on one side that's got incense and food and celebration and music. And on the other side of the fence, brokenness and hopelessness and an aroma that everyone would want to stay away from. Juxtapositions, paradox. There's another juxtaposition in the Bible and we find that in the story of Esther. If we jump to that screen, that would be great. I don't think my clicker's working. Did I just totally break the computer up the back? Here we go. So we're going to jump to Esther, right? Now, I thought, you know what? I don't usually, a lot of the stories we tell are always about, you know, the disciples doing this or the apostles doing this or Moses doing that. And yes, we talk about women in the Bible, but you know what? I wanted to start the year with a little bit of girl power. And all the women are like, yes. And as soon as you talk about Esther, you flash back to a women's conference. And you think to yourself, I know what he's going to say. Now, all of you know it, for such a time as this. And you say that in women's conference, you're just like, yes, amen, that's it. That's the phrase, that's my verse. For such a time as this. I mean, if you've been in women's conference long enough, you know that there's going to be a sentence at some point, someone says that. Right, but this is the story. Haman wants the Jews dead. Esther is a Jewish queen and they want to wipe out the nation of Israel. Genocide. Mordecai, her cousin, hears about it and now is speaking to Esther and this is what he says. And Mordecai told them to answer Esther, do not think in your heart that you will escape in the king's palace any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain completely silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, but you and your father's house will perish. Yet who knows whether you have come to the kingdom for such a time as this. 
Esther has the ability to remain comfortable as queen. Yet Mordecai is saying pretty much to you, Esther, there, there is a God story being written. Like it says, he's the author and finisher of our faith. There is a God story being written. And you've got to decide, are you going to be part of it or are you going to remain comfortable? Are you going to step into the fullness of the courage that you need to save the nation? Or are you going to remain as queen, hoping that no one ever, ever takes away your comforts? But what he's saying is that if you don't step into your Kairos moment, the moment where the story of God and your calling collide, the convergence of your passion and your clarity, the convergence of everything that God has in your story, you will miss out on your Kairos moment and people will suffer. In essence, as to do what is good for everybody by being courageous. And can I tell us as a group of kingdom people, in order for us to really reach everyone we're called to, we have to be courageous. So he says, leave the comfort of what you have as queen, because even if you think your comfort will eventually be removed anyway. So you need to step into the fullness of your courage for such a time as this. And maybe 2022 is our for such a time as this, where we don't just know the truth, we're actually daring enough to live in it. If we go to the next slide. Then Esther told them to reply to Mordecai, go gather all the Jews who were present in Sushan and fast for me, neither eat nor drink for three days, night or day, my maids and I will fast likewise. And so I will go to the king, which is against the law. Watch what she says. And if I perish, I perish. This is like her John Wick moment. This is the expendables. This is her action hero moment. And if I perish, I perish. Esther wasn't like older, she was young. She hadn't lived a full life yet. And yet she was so compelled by the God story that she said, if I perish, I perish. If I die, then I die. Almost to say this, if we go to the next slide. A short life lived with purpose is more powerful than a long life lived in fear. Now, I want everyone in this room to live a long life and prosper, like, amen. Be abundant in everything that God wants to do with you. But within the context of Esther, she's saying this, I would rather live a short life lived in courage and in purpose than a long life lived in fear. And if I perish I perish. We keep reading. Let's keep reading. So the king was sitting on his royal throne facing the main entrance of the palace when the king saw Esther in the queen, the queen standing in the court. So we, re, we know by the story of Esther that the king can be volatile because he banished the, the, the other queen for just not turning up when he called. So he can be volatile. There's precedence to his volatility. That's why Esther would say, and if I perish, I perish. I don't know what's going to happen. 
but she still leaves the comfort to stand in the courtyard. You could say hallway. The queen found favour when she stood in the courtyard, not when she was in her chambers. We pray for favour. We want favour in 2022. Well, which courtyard are you going to stand in? Which element of your life do we need to move from comfort to the courtyard to then our calling? Because she finds favour when she stands. And as a kingdom community, a, a group of people that want to bring heaven to earth in everything that we do, we sing the songs about miracles coming. Well, where are we standing? What's our courtyard? What's our courtyard? There is a whole nation at stake. She's standing in the courtyard. Now watch this. We read the story in hindsight and it says that she found favour with the king. But when she was standing in that courtyard, she didn't know what she was going to get. She took her comfort and she replaced it with courage. She stepped into the courtyard and went, let's see what happens next. Anybody feel like that walking into 2022? Let's see what happens next. But see, the Bible says that within the new covenant, if, if, if we break down circumstance coming under the covenant, really under the new covenant, it's illegal for you not to be blessed. Right? I never said happy. I said blessed. So when we step into the courtyard, there is a king that wants to give us favour, but we don't get it living in our chambers comfortably, saying I'm never going to walk and I'm never going to go to anywhere else. There is a courage to stand in the courtyard to see what happens next. Let's see what happens next together in the kingdom. If we go to the next slide over. Walking in your calling is an intentional act of courage, not a stumbled upon accident. Now, I've got to be honest. There's a few things that I found in falling into or accidentally finding my gifting in an area. You know, you just get an opportunity like, oh, okay, well, I'll give it a go. That's all good. That's all good. We get to test and adjust and try things. And that, you know, we, who's ever even fallen into an opportunity? Like, well, I didn't see that coming. How did that happen? You just fall into it. You accidentally stumble upon things. That's, that's part of exploration. But your calling is an intentional act. You can't accidentally fall into your calling because it takes courage to intentionally walk into it. I remember the first time I went abseiling, who likes heights? I don't mind heights. I'm okay with heights. But the first time I went abseiling, the, the people running it, they were my close friends. They were professional at what they did. And they're like, just trust the rope. And I'm like, I don't want to trust the rope. Because it's not like you're in control because you have to lean back off the wall. And, and they go, just trust the rope, just trust the rope. And, and, and where we were, it was actually, it wasn't like an indoor center. It was an outdoor Cliff face. And so here I am attempting to trust the rope. And because it's not even, my foot slips. Now I'm fully rigged. But in that moment, my foot slipped and I accidentally fell into the rope. 
Now at that point, I had to go all the way down. It was too late then. I had to go all the way down Scala. But something happened to me. I was pretty mad by the time I got to the bottom. I'll tell you why. Because I didn't intentionally choose it. I fell into it. It freaked me out. But it didn't take courage for me to fall off the side of the cliff. I accidentally slipped. I can't say, hey man, I was, I was abseiling, I was so brave. I wasn't brave, I fell. So I got down to the bottom and I was really mad. So I ran right back up to the top. And this time I chose to go down. That was my act of courage, not the first time. For us to live in the fullness of the truth that we know God has put in us and to live the daring life that he's calling us to in the year. Let's be very clear. It's intentional. It's not an accident. You don't accidentally fall into your calling. You intentionally walk into it. Just like Esther had to intentionally walk into the courtyard to gain favour, to save all her people. All right, let's go to the next slide. So we come back to John 5. After this, there was a feast of the Jews and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is in Jerusalem by the Sheep Gate. I want you to just bookmark Sheep Gate. A pool which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches in these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. Now a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. This is symbolic of people wandering in the desert for 38 years or 40 years because it marks or prophetically is symbolic of a generation. See, John puts all these details in how he writes. Now this feast that they were celebrating was actually the feast of Purim. The Feast of Purim is where they celebrate what Esther did for the nation, where they would read the book of Esther. Now, this feast that they're celebrating is a feast of what? Someone's courage to save the nation, someone who removed their comforts in order to to put their life on the line to live in their calling. And if you listen to enough coaches, and which you might do in your podcasts and YouTube and everything else, a lot of them will ask you this, and I think it's a great question. Yes, you might wanna live for that, but what are you willing to die for? That's where the true mark of is what you're really passionate about. So here they have this celebration. Now this celebration in Jesus' time is between 450 and 470 years after Esther makes that big courageous walk standing in the courtyard, saving her people. 450, 70, give or take a little bit, years later, they are celebrating someone's courage for not remaining comfortable, for not living in the, in the comforts of being queen, but willing to risk her life to save a nation, to save the broken, to save those that can't save themselves. So there's a party going on over there about salvation and deliverance and courage. And yet they knew how to celebrate their deliverance, but they forgot how to bring it to everybody else. So the story is that Jesus leaves the feast because he would have been in it, at it, around it, celebrating it. Then he went, 
well, if we're celebrating deliverance, why don't we take it over the fence? Maybe 2022 is the year you take your deliverance story, your salvation story, every blessing that you have, and you say, let's take it over the fence. Now, that takes courage. It takes courage. 38 years, it marks a generation. If you bring that up on the screen. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he'd already been in that condition a long time. Let's go to the next slide. He said to him, do you want to be made well? Have you ever, have you ever read parts of Jesus's questioning and gone, uh, why would you ask that question? Like, Mary, why are you weeping? I'm in a cemetery. It's kind of the done thing. Jesus would say, do you want to be made well? Almost to say to us, now remember, this man prophetically is symbolic of a generation waiting for someone to remove their comforts in their celebration, to take their courage over the fence. There's a generation waiting for us to take our courage over the fence. And so here we have Jesus asking him the question, do you want to be made well? The question is to show us that we can raise our expectations. Not do you need to be made well, that's a given. Do you want to be made well? Do you want it? Do you want 2022 to be a great year for you? Do you want it? Do you you want to stop bringing 2018 into 2022? We have a choice. Do you want to be made well, or in other ways, do you want to be made whole? Do you want the miracle, power, working nature of Jesus in your life? And here's why. Because it takes courage to want it. Because it takes faith and expectation. Do you want to be made well? Let's keep reading. The sick man answered him, sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred up. This is, this is, this is such a sad story. I have no man, like that, I, I have no friends. I have no community. A generation out there is saying, I don't know how to shift my expectation. Now, when we talk about courage, I'm not talking about adrenaline-fueled courage. Because there's a part of us actually in how we're built to actually do that. This is courage in the spirit that says, I have an expectation that my fear cannot trump. That's courage to say, I'm believing God for something bigger than what my circumstances say. So, so here we have this man that says, I have no community there's a generation that says we, we're surrounded by people. Was he surrounded by people? Yeah, but they were just as broken as him. They weren't living in the fullness of everything that they were called to. And so here we have Jesus saying, let's put you in community. That's the power of a local church. It's to build community that inspires you to shift your expectation. I need to shift my expectation with a group of people that will help me become whole. Then Jesus would say this. 
Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. And immediately the man was made well, took up his bed and walked. We have to raise our expectation. We have to be put in a community that influences us to raise our expectation and champions that for us to say to each other and to a generation waiting for us, rise up. Rise up. There's two kinds of people you want in your life. I mean, there's lots of kinds of people you want in your life, but these two are like the fundamentals. In the ecosystem of influence that you have, there's two kinds of people, those that love you and those that are better than you in particular areas that you aspire to. So people that love you, like regardless of title and money and everything you can do for them, you want people in your world that love you just for you. But then you also want people in your world that inspire you or, or, or are better than you in particular areas of your life that you can, you know, get around and be inspired to move up. They're the kinds of people you want in your community and in your world because they're the kinds of people that come into your world that leave their comfort and sacrifice their finances to say, rise up. There's enough people in this room for me to put a pretty safe statement out there that somebody took the time to leave their celebration to get you to rise up. Somebody sacrificed it. Someone believed in you enough when you were lame and stinky and walked up to you and said, do you want this? Do you want this? Not do you need it, that's a, that's a given. Do you want this? Do you want 2022 to be a great year? Okay, let me put you in the group of the right people that will inspire you because I sacrificed my comfort to make sure you fulfill your calling. I hope we can do that for a generation. Come on, Emerge Church. Whether you're in Moray Field or Redcliffe, come on, Emerge Church, we can do this. We've got to leave our comfort to walk through to our calling. And what's our calling? To tell a generation to rise up. They're waiting for us. Because if somebody was willing to do it for us, Surely we can do that for somebody else. So let's keep reading. Jesus wants to take the party beyond the boundaries. You know, it's really easy to tell somebody else's courage story. 400 something years later, they're still telling the story of Esther. It's easy to tell somebody else's courage story because then we're the narrators. It's not our courage, it's theirs. And it's always easier for someone else to do something scary, right? Isn't it easier for someone else to be courageous on our behalf? Because then we become the narrator, the storyteller. We're not in the story, we just happen to be telling it. The question is, is what kind of stories will people say about you? Were you just a great storyteller of someone else's courage? Or were you the courageous one that helped them rise up and walk? I'm really hoping 2022 can be a year where we leave our comforts and celebration of our own salvation and deliverance and miracles and walk through the sheep gate to help others rise up and walk. Because I don't want to be the narrator of someone else's story. I want to be in the God story for me. I want you to be in the God story for you. 
That's why multi-generational blessings are so important. And I believe in it so deeply because the, the, the way we dishonor the generation that went before us is by celebrating it and never building on it. That's how we dishonor. We, we, we celebrate it, but we never take the sacrifice that it took to get them there and the courage it took for them to do what they did and live in courage ourselves. So Jesus takes the party beyond the boundaries. And have we celebrated our deliverance without being compelled toward our calling? I'm gonna close, if I could have the musicians back up, please. And for Moray Field and Redcliffe, I'm so glad I could be with you today to deliver what I believe is a word for us to together be of good courage. Be of good courage. It's easy to be negative. It's easier to be pessimistic. It takes courage to be filled with hope. And remember I told you to bookmark the sheep gate? All right, let's just jump to the next line. I'm gonna show you why. If we can bring that up on the screen. It says here, Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in His glory and all the holy angels with Him and He will sit on the throne of glory, all the nations will be gathered before Him and He will separate them from one another as the shepherd divides his sheep from the goats and He will set the sheep on His right hand but the goats on the left. Now, I'm a third generation Christian kid and I've heard this, this sermon and verse quoted for years and years and years and years. And it always freaked me out a little bit because I don't know about you, but I know I would go home and I'd be like, am I a sheep or am I a goat? Like, what do I have to do to be a sheep but not a goat? And Am I good enough? Am I not good enough? Did I do the right thing? Did I not do the right thing? Am I a sheep today? Am I a goat tomorrow? Anyone ever felt like that? Come on. You're like, sheep, goat, sheep, goat. Which one am I today? Then it goes on if we keep reading. Then the king will say to those on his right hand, the sheep, Come, you blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you took me in. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Now there is a whole other sermon just in that, right? So I'm not diluting anything. I'm just making it aware that there is a whole other sermon in Matthew 25. But I wanna touch on this for this reason. Jesus left the comfort of the celebration in order to take it over the fence. And He walked through, watch the picture here, the sheep gate. What if, instead of wondering, am I a sheep today or a goat tomorrow? Am I a sheep, you know, tomorrow? Am I a goat today? What, what if instead of worrying, am I a sheep or a goat? What if we actually just said, God, I celebrate and honour what you've done, the courage that it took for someone else to get me here. And I do that with my friends and we eat, drink and be merry. Amen, that's all good. But God, give me the courage to walk through the sheep gate, to bring that deliverance to a generation that is needing to shift their expectation, that is needing community, and it needs a miracle. Because when I do that, 
and intentionally, I can't accidentally walk through the sheep gate. I intentionally walk through it. I automatically walk through the sheep gate. So what if just being a sheep was being courageous enough to be intentional with what God asked us to do? Because there's nothing in that list. If you look up and you see, you know, you visited me in prison, you clothed me when I was naked. You can't accidentally clothe somebody that's naked. Oh, look, my jacket fell off and it just covered them. You can't accidentally visit someone in prison. You can't accidentally feed somebody. You can't accidentally take someone in who was a stranger and homeless. You don't go wake up in the morning and go, wow, there was a person just sleeping on my couch last night. Unless, of course, you have teenagers. That's a whole other story. But, but everything in that list is intentional. It's an intentional act of courage. And you automatically walk through the sheep gate. So I have a few reflection questions for you in 2022. If we can bring them up, please. Who do you feel called to reach and raise? Who? Now, yes, humanity, that's the right answer on a macro level, but each one of us in this room is called to somebody different. Maybe it's a type of person, a, a, a group of people, a gender, an industry. What? Who are you called to reach and raise? Why do you feel called to reach them? There's something in you that stirs when you hear about this group of people, you talk to them, you read articles about them. Who do you feel and why do you feel called to them? Do you know that so many times our calling is directly connected to what we wish someone had done for us? Why do you feel called to reach them? What is your sheet gate for 2022? This is a real question. What is the tough thing you need to do that takes courage? What is that journey? What's your steps of courage this year? That's your sheep gate. And number four, how can you restore hope and a future to a generation waiting for you to go beyond the boundaries? How are you gonna do it? You answer those four questions in 2022 and you'll start 2023 with clarity, with purpose and with courage. As we've come to a close, would you stand up to your feet? I have the immense privilege of always praying for people and speaking in different denominations and streams of church. And I wanna pray for you, of course, but I also want to be able to pray over you, not just a prayer that I would say, but actually what we call the benediction. Now, if you ever grew up in traditional church, you know exactly what I'm talking about. But I feel like this benediction actually speaks to everything we need. It speaks to the blessing over you and your family and you can repeat this over you and your family because it takes courage. Would you close your eyes and let me pray for you this benediction. May the strength of God sustain us. May the power of God preserve us. May the hands of God protect us. May the way of God direct us. May the love of God go with us this day. The Lord bless us and keep us. The Lord make His face to shine upon us and be gracious unto us. The Lord lift up His countenance upon us and give us peace this day and forevermore. Amen. Father, we thank You for Warner. We thank You for Redcliffe. We thank You for Moray Field that You would give us courage to live in the truth that You've given us and be daring enough 
to live in the fullness of it. In Jesus' Name we pray, Amen and Amen. Thank you guys so much for having me this morning and I look forward to seeing you all tonight.